Welcome Highlander fans to Blood of Kings, a Highlander podcast here on the Fandom Podcast Network. On this show, we cover everything on the Highlander docket, so to speak here. Uh, my name is Kevin. It's been a little while since we've uh, seen you guys, but we're back and I'm excited. And on this episode, we're going to have a little fun and we're going to make our own Highlander reboot. We'll get into the more that we'll get into more of that later. But right now, I need to introduce my co-host my brother from another mother, actor extraordinaire, fighter extraordinaire, martial arts extraordinaire, fight choreography, just total badass. Let's welcome my buddy, Big Lee. Lee Fillingsness. What's up, buddy? Forgive me, father, for I am a worm. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I have to make an entrance. Come on, man. I got nice. the sword, right? Dude, I love, I love, I love the Kurgan sword. That's awesome. <laughs> we'll just set and that for- right over here. Nice, nice. Oh, careful. Don't make sure it doesn't come apart or anything. So, yeah. Oh, it's in the briefcase now. So, <laughs> uh, welcome, sir. It's been a while. Glad to have you back. Yeah, it is good to be back. Uh, I, I gotta say, I'm glad to be doing something that involves just being in a chair. Nice. I've been working like crazy lately. <laughs> yeah, you've been working on some films, doing some uh, fight choreography and stuff like that, and acting as well. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, been crazy since, uh, well, since the last time uh, we did an episode, I had uh, two features premiere uh, starring some people that you guys might have heard of. Uh, Frank Wally, uh, who was, uh, you know, to me, he, he's always going to be Jim from um, uh, Career Opportunities, but also right. he was uh, Brad in uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. No. What? <laughs> Say no. what again? Yeah. Say what again? Um, yes. <laughs> also got to work with Tom Cavanaugh, a.k.a. Dr. Harrison Wells from uh, The Flash, a.k.a. Uh, J.D.'s brother from Scrubs. And, Ed. Uh, yeah, Ed. And my favorite, and I walked up to him and told him uh, that my favorite thing he ever did was a show called Love Monkey. Um, and he actually talked my ear off for a while. Uh, nice. He was like, okay, you know, most people didn't remember that show. And I'm like, it was brilliant. It was cut way too soon. And we talked about the show. Uh, he told me, like, it's his life. <laughs> But if anybody out there has, you know, a few hours, uh, it's nine of the finest hours of television, uh, I think, that we produced in the early 2000s. Um, nice. Who else? Uh, Chris Mulkey, for, uh, who was in, uh, what you call it, the uh, the X-Files, and uh, Jeremy Davies, who was uh, Dickie Bennett on uh, Justified, but probably most famous as being Corporal Upham in Saving Private Ryan. Nice. So your boy's getting to... Uh, at least be in the neighborhood of some famous people and some big projects. Um, got a few that um, I'll be able to announce later, but more people that you might have heard of uh, in the next year. So, well, I'm nice glad day. you're. I'm glad you're busy. Uh, and you know, it's it's funny too because we've been real busy doing some other stuff, and you know, and and uh, and you know, we honestly, as Highlander fans, and by the way, if you're listening to this, make sure you check out the YouTube video because we're going to have some. Uh, some cool slides to show for, for this topic. Uh, there hasn't really been a lot of news when it comes to Highlander, you know? And so we took a little break and we're like, you know what? We've got some ideas and uh, we're going to touch on a couple of those, but I figure it would be fun to touch on the Highlander movie because as we know, it's been mired in delays, you know, and, and, and Henry Cavill has been attached to it, uh, to star and uh, Chad Stelheski, the director, and but it's just been in development hell for so long. Lee, I'm getting a little uh, impatient here, so I figure why don't we just reach out to the fans and let's just make our own Highlander film and make our suggestions of what we would do, right? 
Sounds like a plan, sir. Cool. All right. All right. Well, so that's what we're going to do. But first, you know what? I think it's time to head. Oh, I don't know. Let's go into Joe's. What do you say? I like that idea. Ah, uh, it's good to be back in Joe's, dude. I mean, where do you want to sit? <laughs> Let's belly up to the bar so we can get the alcohol right away. We don't need to wait. That's right, man. Yeah, definitely. It's been a while. Jeez. Uh, I miss Joe's. I, I miss I miss the scenes in Joe's and, uh, and just the camaraderie in Joe's and the TV series. and The music? We all, yeah, the music. We, all, we always need it. Need to... We need some, we need, we need more Joe's. That's what I'm saying. And it's good to be back here. So one of the things that I want to talk about in Joe's first, uh, you know, usually we talk about some Highlander news and, and uh, among other things before we get to our main topic. But I thought it, most importantly, when we were taking our hiatus, uh, I did do some several posts about this as well, is that the, uh, the Highlander has been, uh, been released on um, uh, 4K now. And not only has it been released in 4K, high definition, but also there is new special features on these new releases here. And the one that I'm showing right now, Lee, that's the one that came from the UK. I bought one myself here. And it comes with the cool goodies, uh, obviously the couple of discs and some like poster, uh, what do you call those uh, lobby poster cards type things? Yeah. There's a comic book in there. There's some buttons and uh, a really nice booklet in there as well. It's a really, really nice little uh, um, uh, limited edition there. And then also we have some of the other ones here. And it's funny, too, because when I was in Australia for three weeks uh, visiting with visiting my wife and such, uh, they actually had released uh, you know, this one here. And if you're looking at the pictures here, it's the one on the far right uh, and in the middle is the U.S. normal release one, this new kind of uh, um, design that they have, a new art design there, that, where Connor's holding both the uh, the Claymore and the Katana. And then in on the left is the Best Buy Steelbook uh, limited edition one they have there. It's got a little slipcase on it. Some people aren't really fans of the, uh, the Highlander font on there. Uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Lee, because you and I are going to be doing an episode about this, specifically the special features. And I did want to mention them really quickly here. We've got the Immortal Attraction, and that's this one right here that I'm holding up here. It has uh, these listing on here. They, just to clarify, all of these 4Ks have these special features. But the trick is you need a 4K player to watch these. So has the immortal attraction of Highlander uh, looking back at four decades of Highlander magic. This is all new stuff, new, a kind of magic music of the immortals. Uh, and it's a feature on the soundtrack and new capturing immortality interview with the photographer, David James and new. There can be only one Kurgan Clancy Brown remembers Highlander. And also, and we're very excited about this, new audio commentary by our friend and author, Jonathan Melville, who is the uh, author of A Kind of Magic, The Making of the Original Highlander, the book that I have here in my hand. If you have not read that, make sure you check it out. And we also have interviewed him regarding this. Uh, there's also uh, audio commentary by Russell McCahey and uh, William Panzer and da uh, Peter Davis. I think those are the older ones, of course, that they added on there. 
they there is a Blu-ray disc that does also include uh, those older interviews with like uh, Christopher Lambert and stuff like that. But uh, there's a lot to chew on here, Lee. I'm looking forward to it. I am a junkie for special features, and especially special features for Highlander. I mean, I've gone through everything from uh, all the movies, from the TV show, all that stuff. Um, I, I I have to say I'm in agreement with the people that don't like the font on that. Uh, oh, you mean the Best Buy one here? Yeah. Yeah, that, that sort of <laughs> looks like uh, something that I'd draw in the notebook in uh, like sophomore year of high school for like my super sweet metal band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a grown up got paid to put that on a on a project. What about this? What about, what about this art here? That is a part of the U.S. release, and it shows uh, Connor in his uh, Scottish uh, attire, but he's got the claymore and he's got the katana, and this is a cool slip cover that comes with yeah. it right here. What are your thoughts on that? I like that, but I don't know why he swapped the the blade with Glamdring on there because <laughs> that's not the McLeod blade. <laughs> that's that's uh. That was made in Gondolin by the elves. You cannot ask for a finer blade. <laughs> this is the one I picked up in Australia. It doesn't have a slip cover, but it's got the cool 4K. But by the way, no, just to let perfect. Yeah, this this one's pretty cool. And over my shoulder here, I've got the actual poster that came in the deluxe edition. I had to frame it. Came in this edition here. Um, that one's kind of hard to find now. Cheap. It's pretty expensive on eBay and secondhand stuff. But I had to put the poster up. But I did want to let people know that all 4K discs are universal. Uh, they don't have any region coding. If you buy the 4K in Australia, you can play it on USA players and, and vice versa. So that's the one cool thing about the 4K stuff. So Lee and I there's, will, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say there's one cover they should make for like the true super fans that have too much money. They should have just the original movie poster, like that crazy psychotic face. Yeah. The like, one makes him look like he's done weird stuff with weird people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to cutting somebody's head off in a garage. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> like a normal person does. <laughs> That's a good point. Yes. All right. The other thing uh, that I wanted to talk about in Joe's Lee is, um, you know, they, there's a, there's a Facebook group called uh, Highlander reboot. They, they shared it obviously. And if you want any news on the Highlander reboot, you can check them out too. But there was an article that was posted in our group, the Blood of Kings Facebook group, as well as our friends at Highlander Heart. And there was an article uh, that came from a site called Giant Freaking Robot, which I tell people, beware. It is one of those click sites there. And uh, unfortunately, their report says that uh, um, exclusive Henry Cavill dropped from Highlander. Chris Hemsworth eyed for replacement. Henry Cavill has been let go from Highlander, is being replaced by Chris Hemsworth. And this was published on about January 25th by James uh, Bruzelia uh, from Giant Freaking Robot. Now, I know from being fans of other stuff, when anything is put out by Giant Freaking Robot, you can't always trust it. I don't, I'm not taking this as um, this is happening. Uh, but I did want to read the article and get your thoughts on this. So it says Henry Cavill seems to be having himself a whirlwind of opportunities, but also cancellations that are com combating those new opportunities through our trusted and proven resources. We can report that Henry Cavill has now been dropped from starring in the Highlander remake. And Chris Hemsworth is now being targeted for the role. 
Cavill, who has now has been let go from three separate franchises in the uh, last few months, Henry um, Cavill being let go from Highlander is crushing as we think that he would have shined in that role, especially after how well he did as, is it Geralt? Geralt in The Witcher? Yeah. Uh, Geralt. Yeah. yeah. Geralt. Geralt, sorry. Geralt in The Witcher. However, we uh, would have also note that Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth is a fantastic replacement, though Thor has been mostly a sword and axe wielder. We think Hemsworth is going to do quite well swinging a long sword. Henry Cavill being let go from Highlander might also be because the man is going to be too busy to take on more franchises. He's going to be serving as the star and executive producer of the Warhammer 40,000 series and movie for Amazon Prime Video. We also reported that Cavill's being targeted for The Man from Uncle 2, with Guy Ritchie returning to write and direct. Hemsworth might uh, have also played Thor for the final time, though that has not been confirmed. Thor would be appearing in other MCU properties, but a Thor solo movie might be a few years in the way. Uh, Hemsworth might be a better schedule than Henry Cavill, making him better choice to head up the new Highlander movies. Uh, there has yet to be further updates about the Highlander reboot other than Chad Stalhesky still being a, ch uh, a chat to direct it and the movie remaining in pre-production stages. Stalhesky famously directed the John Wick series and he is also being tasked to directing the Ghost of Tushima adaption. Stalhesky has clearly seen more value in dumping Henry for Chris Hemsworth for the Highlander reboot. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, Lee? Um, well, I'd say it's probably crap. Um, and anytime I, uh, hear a giant freaking robot, all I can think of is, um, boondock saints, huge friggin' guy theory. Um, <laughs> but I think, do you want to clarify what you just said? Uh, yeah. In, uh, boondock saints, uh, there's a guy that gets, uh, possibly stomped to death. Uh, they just see footprints on the back of a giant and must must have been a huge freaking guy just gotcha. stomping on this guy. Serious stomping. So gotcha. uh, it's a it's a <laughs> quote in the movie and it always makes me laugh uh, every time I see giant freaking robot because I'm a juvenile. But um, I will say that um, Cavill season one in The Witcher, uh, his sword play was crap. Um, season two was amazing. So I was kind of looking forward to seeing what he would do with uh, the Connor McLeod role. Um, I believe that he's obviously still attached because nobody other than giant freaking robot has said anything about it. Right. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I like to hear it from like variety and, uh, Hollywood reporter and stuff like that. People that kind of know what's going on. And when they say their trusted resources as in giant freaking robot, who is that? Yeah. Another click site. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the one thing that kind of makes me wonder though, is, um, him being very unceremoniously removed from two franchises in very short order. Yeah. Uh, you know, the DCU thing is, is one thing, um, you know, yeah. but uh, also him leaving the Witcher. For Liam everyone, Hemsworth, right? Yeah. Chris's brother. Yeah. Which, you know, I can kind of see it. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, you know, in love with the actor as the character, the character. I mean, he's a video game character, so it's literally all of us. You know, we all play, as him. So uh, what he looks like doesn't really matter as long as he's got white hair and yellow eyes. If it did go to uh, Chris Hemsworth, which I don't think it is because uh, he's dealing with some uh, illnesses right now. He found out that he's uh, uh, got some genetic predispositions. Um, 
I wouldn't have thought so before his movie Extraction, because as much fun as his movies are, he's never had a truly good fight against a character that exists in the MCU. That's uh, a good point. He's, he's fought CGI Hulk. You know, those are his best fights, uh, just hands down. Right. Uh, he never had a good fight against Loki. They're all kind of like, and he had a, he had a couple of great fights in that film, especially yeah, the hand yeah. hand to hand combat stuff. And there is an extraction too that's coming out too. Yeah, and so I think he could definitely handle the fights. Before that, I didn't. He kind of did pose foo. You know, it wasn't really fighting, but extraction shows that he can do a lot of stuff. So are um, you are you uh, would you be disappointed if they went to Hemsworth for uh, the lead in Highlander, whether it's Connor or whatever? Yeah, I think he's just a little too approachable and normal mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, and I, I'm saying this also as an actor who gets pigeonholed because of appearance. Um, you know, he could, you know, be a much better actor than we're imagining because, I mean, he's done some great performances. Uh, Rush in the Heart of the Sea, all that kind of stuff that isn't just beefcake stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that looking at uh, Cavill's performance in Man of Steel as this uh, person with godlike powers kind of sent out from his family, living alone, kind of unsure of his place in the world. That was, you know, preparation for playing Highlander. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he gets the credit Cavill for being a good actor. And I know Chris Hemsworth is a good actor, but I I was, there's just something about Cavill. I was hoping to really kind of see that. So I I hope this isn't true, but if it is, uh, I'll be a little disappointed, but uh, I just don't, you know, I know they want to go for a big name because that would obviously bring a lot more inner, a lot more people to the project, which I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, well, uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's do one other fun thing here in uh, the uh, Joe's here. Let's go ahead and do one more thing. That is the immortal buzz, and that means that we like to include our fans in our discussion. And what I did was, of course, uh, for this show, making our own Highlander reboot, I put a post in Blood of Kings. I also put a post on Highlander Heart. Our friends there, Grant Kempster and all those great people there at Highlander Heart, uh, reach out to everyone. We got some really good uh, um, ideas and suggestions here. And uh, I'm going to get into uh, Derek. Brady stuff a little bit later because he make, came up with some great suggestions casting. So I'm going to get in there, but I just want to just mention, throw one name out there that he suggested, Karen Gillian. Just going to throw it out there. <laughs> uh, he touched on the music, and uh, we'll, we'll bring this up a little bit later, but he said the music would have to be Queen-related or influenced, so Brian May and Roger Taylor. Um, that would be great, uh, Lee, if they were at least, uh, you know, part of the, you know, can you imagine them not maybe obviously either re-recording or writing new music, but at least maybe handpicking, um, other artists to either play these old songs from Highlander or even some new ones. Would you be up for that? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, especially after reading, uh, Melville's book on how, uh, uh, Brian May came up with uh, some of the music. It doesn't have to be Queen that sings it. It's uh, interesting you say that too. Yes, uh, it could be other people. Uh, he also mentioned the band Muse would be a good choice because they did music for World War Z. But you're right, getting some other actors to either sing those same songs or something similar, right? 
Yeah, and uh, I'd also be kind of interested to see, just because of how uh, complex Queen's music is, what if they did the score? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, keep the score away from Queen's music. I mean, so much of it is kind of uh, wrapped around who wants to live forever anyways, uh, that it's there. Uh, yeah. Maybe modernize it, maybe not so heavy on the synth, uh, maybe make it a orchestral. Uh, well, it's you funny know, you say that. Joel, Joel Lawwell said, I think the music should maybe stick to the Gaelic uh, Scottish type stuff, maybe for change, uh, maybe have Sarah Brightman do it, uh, do it as a question of honor for the soundtrack. Uh, I like that idea. It definitely have some of that in there, I think would be really cool. Kind of mix it up with, you know, cause if you're, if it's taking place in current day and then in the past, you want to have music that reflects both. So I think that would be kind of cool. Um, Brian Hanley says Clancy Brown is Ramirez. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Wes Cronin, by the way, got to give a shout out to him. He just released his fan film, uh, Highlander, um, pains of the heart. Uh, make sure you check it out. It's on YouTube. It's also on, um, blood of Kings. And he said, uh, I always, I already made my movie and I expect it will be better than any reboot Hollywood comes out with. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I love, I love that because Wes and his uh, group did a, uh, crew did a great job and they said he spent a couple of years putting that together. It's about an hour long and, and uh, he plays Duncan McLeod and uh, uh, takes place, obviously, during um, um, uh, the 90s era with, uh, with Duncan McLeod and, and his past. So make sure you check that out. Uh, I got to say, one film guy to another, I really appreciate what they did. Um, I know how much work that had to have been. Uh, people that haven't done it have no idea how insane making a movie is. Um, <laughs> and when you do it on a fan film budget, it's even more insane because uh, you are begging and you are, you know, squeezing, you know, every booger out of George Washington's nose on that quarter to, to <laughs> pay for. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Wes did a good job uh, with the music, the sound effects, the story, and he touches on a couple of uh, interesting points in the story that I think hit home even nowadays. So make sure you check out Highlander Pains of the Heart. Good job, Wes. Uh, Brian um, uh, Pro. Copio says, I will beat this drum forever, much better as a streaming show over two years or so. Two, six to eight episodes arcs a year following the last four mortals, all leading up to the gathering event where all the stories come together. Give us more reason to care when random immortals die instead of one flashback and dead. Let us see how the final four originated, become immortals, were trained and, be and came up in who they were. Cause of the internet fan base to have legit people that they are rooting for to win it all outside of just the main good guy. Hell, maybe even get a, enough of a backstory of the Kurgan and we all see his downfall a la Anakin Skywalker or realize the quickenings made him the way he ended up. Just opens it all up so much more potential than trying to cram it all into two hour film that has, that has to work and compete with the original. I love his passion in this. And I agree. But one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show, Lee, is that uh, I want to start with a movie first. I want to I want to yep. lay the groundwork for future expansion. Uh, <clears throat> someone had made a comment about why does it have to be a you know Highlander Scottish guy? Why can't we be talking about another random immortal somewhere else? That's fine. But if if you're gonna um, do this story justice, I think it should be a Highlander. It should take place in Scotland. Get those roots done. But 
don't paint yourself in a corner like the original one did. Leave it open. There doesn't have to be the gathering in this one. You know, what do you think? I'd say uh, until about a year and a half ago, I agreed with his take on this. And then the old guard came out and they did a fantastic job of introducing um, a broadcast of characters, all of whom you care about. You do have the main one, but that's not the entire driving part of the story. And yeah. I think uh, they really threw the gauntlet down. Uh, and I said this when we did the the podcast. It's like they're letting us know uh, or they're letting Chad know this is how good a movie can be. And it's up to you to do better. And that's I a, think it's been proven. That's a great point. They did a great job of um, teasing us about where these immortals have been in the old guard movie for a very long time. And what happens when a new immortal character comes about and uh, gets into the fold of things. And the way that movie ended opened up more questions, but it didn't paint itself in a corner, which I loved about it that like the original Highlander did And good news. Uh, Old guard two should be coming out this year. They were filming mm-hmm. it last year. So I'm excited for that. Um, Joe Lawwill said there better be at least one flashback scene with a bloody Scottish war and lots of bagpipe and war drums. I love that. That'd be cool. It's really cool. Yeah, I think that <laughs> needs to happen. And um, I think that Outlander threw down the gauntlet on how big that needs to be, too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I went over to a uh, Highlander heart and uh, threw up uh, some stuff as well. And we got some replies there. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Colleen Best says, as for actors, I like to see lesser known actors playing the lead immortal roles. I like that idea. Uh, I would cast both Ryan Pete uh, Pavey as the new ladies man and Dashiell Connery as the older immortal looks younger, but is more ancient. I like that idea. I looked up that actor, uh, Dashiell Connery, by the way, he is young right now, but mm-hmm. what if he is actually like 2000 years old? Kind of like they did with, um, I'm forgetting the name of the old uh, of the old vampire in True Blood that was the kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, even, something like uh, that. Even, even uh, Kenny in uh, the Highlander TV series, he was what 800 yeah. years old or something like that. So yeah, I like that idea. Uh, a, a younger, older immortal, so to speak. So yeah, uh, she says I would have Jim Burns back as Joe Dawson as the current mentor and retired head of the New Watchers. I like that idea. Amanda Wood, Amanda Wiss would be back as. Uh, Randy McFarlane. I figure the reason she disappeared back in the day is because she witnessed the duel between Duncan and Grayson. Mm, like that. Joe found out and recruited her into the Watchers, and now she's in charge. For the old friend role, I would have Keith Richards show up as an old friend. I would also uh, bring back a few of the old cast members to reprise their roles in a masquerade ball flashback during carnivals or Mardi Gras or at Woodstock in the 60s. I'm not sure who I would cast in the other roles. I don't know. I don't want any actor already known for other action franchises. I like these ideas. Colleen's like nailing it here. I love that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, what do we got here? Oh, okay. And I, th- I thought this was funny because I remember this. Uh, Richard Anderson says, I saw the episode of Suits when Harvey was at a funeral and quoted, there can be only one. He was brilliant. <laughs> and I like this idea. Thinking of music. Okay, I, I I like to give give the members of Queen, give them a chance to like coordinate the music. But I love this. Every time I hear, this is from Richard Anderson. Every time I hear Judas Priest, some heads are going to roll. I think of Immortals. Throw in the Judas Priest song. Why not? You know? <laughs> I'm done with it. <laughs> I thought that would be good. 
you uh, know, on the subject of music, um, something that gets a little overlooked, but would be, um, uh, it would be weird for the modern audience, but it would fit with the character. Uh, if he grew up in a Celtic society, Celtic music is the origin of country and bluegrass. And we kind of did this operatic rock stuff, but like if he was, you know, I mean, think about, you know, it sounds like, oh, okie doke, but like, remember when Oh Brother Where Art Thou came out and Dan Timon kind of hit the the top of the charts again, you know, you get that, you, you know, that's also the root of blues music, mm. uh, you know, I mean, the same chord progressions, the same um, types of music, uh, it leads into that. And you could have maybe a thematic ride that goes from the the Gaelic into like some um, frontier music at some point and then into modern stuff and what he's listening to. I mean, it was rock and roll because Russell Mackay was a rock and roll uh, music video director, right. but it doesn't need to be locked into just the yeah. musical choices of 1985. Good point. Yeah, no, they should definitely uh, spread out a little bit. I like that. Uh, Simon Keegan, he wrote some cool stuff here. Might mispronounce some of this, so forgive me. He says, I wrote one like this a year ago. My Connor was Irish and moved to the Highlands later in his life. I had him born a little earlier, and the present day was 2008. One of my ancestors was called Connor McAlgahane, McKeegan. So I gave him that name. Connor lives in Hudson Street. When I visited Hudson Street, I noticed a few Irish bars in Greenwich Village. I like that. I made the Kurgan a Viking. You might like this here, Lee. I made the Kurgan a Viking for the original battle since the Irish fought the Vikings. The reason I set present day in 2008 was that I was born in New York in February 08, the week the Giants won the Super Bowl. There were celebration uh, uh, processions, including bagpipe, marching bands. So rather than Connor being reminded of his first battle while watching wrestling, he was reminded of after hearing the pipes in the procession. My Kurgan was actually called Kurgle in my store or in my story before he was a Viking, he was an ancient Babylonian immortal worshipped as a deity. This was based on real mythology. The title of the uh, Sumerian Babylonian deity Enlil was Lu Kurgal. That's L-U Kurgal, K-U-R-G-A-L, meaning God of the Mountains. The Kur is his name and the Kur in Kurgan. Instead of Ramirez, he was Ram Ramis, R-A-M-E. S-E-S, the Pharaoh. After all, he was Ramses, Egyptian yeah. and he would... Ramses, okay. After all, he was Egyptian and he would have an Egyptian name and Ramirez to um, Ramses isn't that much of a leap. I like that. My Connor doesn't get his katana for Ramirez Ramses. In my story, Connor gives... Ramses gives Connor a Jian Chinese sword. J-I-A-N. Yep. Say it, Lee. Jian. Yeah. Okay. Yep. In the original story, the sword Ramirez gives Connor is made in 593 BC. There's actually a Chinese sword this old, and he actually did a little link to Wikipedia, and apparently it's still sharp. But Ramses gives it to him as a gift, not for fighting with. Connor gets his katana from Nakano in my story. The family coat of the arms is a white lion, so in my story, that's why Connor has a katana with a lion's head. In my story, Fazil has also stolen the the Toledo Salamanca from Ramses, and that's why Connor and Fazil fight. Fazil, excuse me. They are fighting over the sword. A Toledo Salamanca is obviously a Spanish sword, and we know Ramirez worked as a metallurgist in Spain, so I think this makes sense. I like that. He's kind of tying everything together and gives him a reason to fight. 
And I like this too, Lee. There's a change in the World War II flashback. Instead of the scene, no, oops, here it is. Uh, instead of the scene in Europe where Connor meets Rachel, Connor's landing on Sword Beach on D-Day. This is the beach where the Highland Commandos landed, and the commander of that unit was Simon Fraser, the clan chief of Clan Fraser. I like that. That's a nice way for Connor to have a flashback to when he fought the Frasers in Scotland. My Connor sails to Scotland from Ireland when he is banished and stays with McDonald and McLeod clans, and that's when he meets Heather McDonald. Put a lot of good thought into that. That is awesome. What do you think? That's thorough. I don't know if we can get through it in a whole movie, but... Uh... <laughs> I love the D-Day uh, twist on that. That was really, really cool. <laughs> uh, I did ask... How would immortals survive in current day? And Colleen Best uh, had some suggestions here. She says, I would have my immortals survive in today's world of technology and culture. They would have picked up skills in theatrical makeup and costuming and would use it to create different identities. If the immortal was a skilled actor, those different identities would be set up to be related to each other. They have them establish a presence in different locations around the world where immortals have homes. Each persona would then have a unique trait that people would meet them, would remember like a limp eyeglasses, eye color, manner of speaking or handwriting. This kind of reminds me of the Scarlet Pimpernel a little bit. Oh, yes, sir. You and being an I've actor, you might feel be... to... Go ahead. I've got a friend that's her favorite movie. So uh, she'll she'll be happy that you mentioned that one. Well, I actually watched that just for the first time. Because of um, the Andor Star Wars TV series. Because oh, Mon Mothma had a Scarlet Pimpernel type deal going on, pretending to be one thing while All being right, another. Yeah. And I found that in a podcast. I'm like, I've never seen the Scarlet Pimpernel. And then Aaron was like, well, you got to watch this one. The one from, was it 1983? Yeah. Um, With uh, Jane Seymour? Yeah. Yes, yep. Jane Seymour. And it was, it was fantastic. So anyway, I like that. Uh, and it's interesting here. They said they could also establish a family burial plot on land they own to go to their backstory. The different family members could also be mortals who know your secret and live with you uh, and also learn the skill of calligraphy. So you can, you know, disguise your handwriting. Uh, she goes on and does a really good job of that. And she says the rules for the game. Holy ground is a place for refuge. Training is allowed there. Killing is not. Immortals are foundlings. No one knows where they come from. No origin stories honor where they come from. It's a kind of magic. But I would also show the immortals can sense when a pre-immortal foundling is near. My twist to the story, and this is interesting, Lee, like this. My twist to the story, Colleen says, is if that an immortal deliberately kills a pre-immortal to trigger the immortality, it causes the killer's body to show more of their true age. No quickenings are lost if the immortal is beheaded by a mortal or accident. Just show no immortal close by and then show a foundling being discovered somewhere in the world. Immortals cannot sire children. They can adopt or foster children. Game reboot itself when there is only one immortal. The prize winner is given a choice to grow old and die with no memories of being immortal. They choose that, then the quickenings and the knowledge are released back into the world to a time before each immortal lost their head. The choice to remain immortal is that they get to pick when in time they want to do over. Then they get sent back into the past with no memories of the future beyond the event they wish to relive. What do you think? 
if you lose your memories and you're not that person anymore, like it's the same as getting your head cut off. So it's kind of pointless. Hmm. Like, I mean, but just that's kind of the first thing that came to my head. Like I, I was kind of there and I'm like, so you lose all of the. So you're saying your memories, your memories are poor part of being your mortality, whether they're a burden yeah. or not. Right. Yeah. yeah. And your point. I also, um, and I've, I've come back to this, you know, when we did the review, um, when the Blu-ray came out uh, for Highlander, and even when uh, I kind of go to bat for season one of uh, Highlander, the series, uh, these are no longer normal people. Uh, these these are people that have uh, seen more tragedy and more loss and all that stuff. Uh, they have a different relationship to the world. Uh, them... I, I I don't like the idea that they just want to be a normal person again, because there's there's centuries separated from that. Um, right, I, right, I'd like right. to see yeah. a creative idea on who they would want to be. And uh, coming back to the old guard, you see that there. Uh, you you see that, and uh, but it is a that's an interesting and well thought out uh, thing. I, I don't necessarily agree with all of it. Yeah, but I really. Yeah, you can't fault. The yeah, work. she did a finch it. She did a fantastic job, but she says something here that really I thought was cool. She she uh, goes on regarding the immortal and the aging thing here. And she says, the immortal aging suggestion is something Miles Ferguson and I discussed at the Anaheim uh, convention. He joked that it would have been a great way to bring him back as an older looking Kenneth. Um, mm-hmm. It says, how about abstaining from quickenings will eventually cause an immortal to age and they'll eventually die of old age. But if they take another quickening or are killed again to reset their prime. So in a way, what I like about this ideally is that if you want to be stay immortal, you have to participate in the game and take someone's head because then the quickening keeps your immortality going. What if that was kind of like, you know, an, you know, an incentive to stay living if you cho- choose to do so? That part I like. Yeah. And I- and I think uh, it's been brushed on, but like if uh, the quickening was a conscious part, maybe not um, speaking directly to uh, the immortal themselves, but if they actually influenced uh, all the interactions, you know, yeah. uh, maybe even like the Trill symbiote from DS9, yeah, uh, yeah. where there it's it's part of them. They can't necessarily separate themselves from it, but then you'd also have that download of information when uh, that symbiote goes to a new host. Yep. I like that. I see. Okay. Um, Colton Dean um, said, I think a new, I think a new Highlander shouldn't focus only on one immortal. It should have an, an ensemble cast like game of Thrones, but it should probably start in Scotland for like, you know, the old school fans. And I think that's really important. And maybe we can dive into this more uh, next when we get into our thoughts, Lee, but I think that would be kind of cool to introduce other immortals that are still alive because we're not ending this series to with the, like the original movie did or this movie. Uh, you know, we're leaving it open. You know, yes, there will be a final battle between maybe, you know, a, a Kurgan type character or whatever. And, and uh, you know, whether there's a, a, you know, a debt of revengeance thread or something that is like that. But having knowing that there's other immortals out there, I think is crucial to keep the story moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of like you said earlier, not writing it into a corner where the prize is won in the first movie. 
Right. Uh, any other reactions to these fans? Uh, by the way, I want to thank everyone in Highlander Heart and, of course, our Blood of Kings uh, for, uh, you know, participating in this. Uh, anything else regarding those things? Um, well, I would say uh, everyone's kind of, you know, the the big question is, like, how do they survive in the uh, the modern world? Like, what about identities? It's like, I mean, we have people doing that all the time. I mean, we have identity theft. We have um, <laughs> undocumented people with, you know, working social security numbers, uh, both here and over overseas. Well, I have thoughts about that because that is one of the things we're going to touch on later. So hold on to that thought because okay. that's really, really important in today's technology. And I'm glad you brought that up. But uh, let's go ahead and head on out of Joe's here. And uh, well, unless you unless you still want to get more drunkly. I don't know if you do or not. Um, I don't get drunk. Drunk gets me. <laughs> All right. Let's head on out of Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get into our main segment, okay, this is uh, Let's Make a Highlander Reboot. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break, and uh, we're going to let you know what other things are happening on the Fandom Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Hair Metal Podcast, we cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Lethal Mullet, an action film podcast, covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show, our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom. The True Believers MCU podcast, discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Make sure you, you don't miss that little corner over there, that, that blade that you're shaving no, with I'm, your I'm sword saying. there. You know, uh, like the guy said in Highlander, it's a real smooth shave. <laughs> so I just Welcome played back. with uh, <laughs> the fancy oh, which one's Highlander one? Katana. This is nice. uh, the Highlander one uh, made by Daryl Kyle over at uh, Texas Steel Props and Replicas, Damascus Blade. Uh, nice. Fantastic piece. One of the I always like to Darryl break out Kyle. the toys. You know me. <laughs> yes, that's awesome, dude. I love it. That's cool. Again, if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you check out the video on YouTube. Welcome back to Blood of Kings. Let's make a Highlander reboot movie. Okay. 
We've had some great suggestions uh, from our Highlander fans, both on Bloody Kings and Highlander Heart. And uh, but you know what? I want to kind of dive into the guideline that I put out there. First of all, we wanted to make a reboot movie. We want to pay homage to the original Highlander film, of course. And uh, you know, of course, make sure you, you check out the new 4K release of it. It's out. And I think that, of course, it should take place with a Highlander in Scotland, you know, because that's how the original started and all the ties come back to that. It can move on from there eventually, of course. But that is one of my big rules there is let's keep the current uh, story originating from there. Other questions to touch what we will uh, touch on is the mythology. Can there be only one or a continuous battle throughout the ages? Is the origins of the immortals explained? If so, what? Or is it left a mystery? Rules. Are the rules the same? No battleground on holy ground. No, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one only. Uh, we're going to touch on casting uh, with some, some actors. Um, you know, lead actor, of course. Lead uh, immortal, immortal mentor, immortal love interest, mortal interest, mortal, immortal villains, immortal, mortal allies. We'll touch on the director and the music, which you did a little bit already. Um, and we just want to say, look, we know a lot of people like there can be only one movie that's getting tiresome guys. Okay. Highlander has opened up a mythology that we want to explore more. If it's a reboot, another TV series. Plus you guys got to realize something. We are newer. We're, we're original fans here, but we want Highlander to live on with new fans. And sometimes in order for that to happen, you got to give them new material. You can always go back to the original and cherish the original. That's fine. But I don't believe in that can be only one. So, Let's have some fun with this. That's all I want to do with this. And, you know, if you guys have any other suggestions too, please let us know on Blood of Kings. So, Lee, I want to start with you first. You had some picks on some actors, and I love these, you know. So let's go ahead and start with uh, Cooper Andrews from um, The Walking Dead. You like this guy. Yeah, um, he is uh, a – I have a soft spot for big guy actors uh, because we – He's a big guy actor. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we – basically get two roles uh bumbling idiot or um violent sociopath and yeah. he kind of starts off playing bumbling idiot but he throughout the course of the series uh really kind of comes into his own uh he also has an amazing character in the shazam movie he's a foster father yeah. uh just a really decent human being and i love seeing again a big guy actor getting something uh but one of the reasons i brought him up is he's actually a fantastic swordsman um he was acknowledged uh, by the cast of Walking Dead as the best of the swordsmen. Uh, they only let him use his sword once on the show, and that was in the last final episodes because big guys are not supposed to be <laughs> skilled and articulate, uh, which he very much is. And if you watch, I think it's the second to last episode, uh, he has a sequence that shows like he's better than Lenny. He is better than Deny. He's better than pretty much anyone we've seen fight um, with a sword uh, and just beautiful great economy of motion great flourish um and i believe as um maybe not as castigear but as a castigear type character so an uh, an ally to a connor type lead yeah and if you had to kill somebody that the audience would care about because mm, uh, you have to have that uh, you know unfortunately that's a trope in movies but um, if we're going to establish somebody as a bad guy, you need to have him do something bad. Okay. And um, somebody as likable as Cooper Andrews. Okay. Um, I like that. You and, sold and, he, and he'd definitely do a better fight than Hugh Quarshie. Uh, okay. That was not a good fight. 
All right, so the next guy comes from the Star Wars universe. Um, and uh, this is, uh, oh, wait, who's that as well? Jonas Su Sutamo? How do you say his last name? Uh, depending on where you're at in Finland, uh, Jonas Sutamo. Uh, okay. But, yeah. uh, but we'll call him Joe. And uh, uh, Jonas, he, of course, took over the Chewbacca role. You know, in yeah. all of the new Star Wars stuff. And uh, there's a picture of me with him at DragonCon right there. Very cool guy. Uh, what uh, part did you think he might be able to fit into? He's a uh, tall actor, by the way. Yes. Um, <laughs> Former basketball player. Yeah. And uh, he was also um, one of the bad guys in Willow. I forget which one he is, or the Scourge maybe. Um, but uh, he is a physically imposing person. Um, I think he would be... Great in a variety of roles because if you look at him here, he looks like a very friendly person. Um, however, even the friendliest of people, when they're huge, can be terrifying. <laughs> and if you think of the way that Clancy wanted to play Kurgan, and if you think of the way that uh, Greg Whitten uh, originally envisioned Kurgan as kind of this um, person with nothing left to kind of care about, he could still be very charming and just straight up murder people. So you and, think he would make a good villain, sort of speak, maybe? Oh yeah, and yeah. and I'd love yeah. to see. If he can talk and okay. and say things on camera, but I think uh, just the face that we see there, uh, if we have that person as the bad guy, we really put people on their heels because he just looks. You're so not nice. talking about me in the picture with him. You're talking about actual Eunice, right? Well, I mean, your name starts with K, so you're going to die anyways. <laughs> I mean, we're <laughs> that's All why right. we haven't gotten together yet. All right. The next one, we got a lot to get through here. So the next right. one is my choice for Ramirez. And I'm glad you brought this. And I'm wondering if you thought of him as Ramirez as well. That's Odette Frere. Of course, a lot of people now know him uh, for his stint on Star Trek Discovery. But of course, we know him uh, from The Mummy and many other series. Ah, this guy has always been my first uh, choice for a Ramirez type character, a mentor, an immortal mentor. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's definitely uh, Ramirez. He's. It definitely got the charm and the smolder of uh, Sean Connery. Um, he's got the languages down. Um, I don't know if you ever watched um, uh, Covert Affairs, but he had a recurring role on that where he was speaking several languages constantly. He can fight. Um, you know, he can, again, if you have the the old master that, that dies, like Ramirez does, or, you know, we're not necessarily rewriting or just reshooting shot for shot the same movie, but he could do that. And you feel like he could teach somebody and they would be like, I should listen to you. You seem like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Perfect choice. I love this. I was really surprised, but very happy for your next choice here. And I like this. Uh, Artashir Radpour. I don't know if I'm saying his name yep. correctly. Uh, I'm actually Facebook friends with him, and I think you are as well. He's an actor. He lives here in Southern California. He's also a stuntman. And a lot of people will know him from his roles in uh, Star Wars television series recently. He's played some aliens on uh, Book of Boba Fett. He's played some clone in Stormtroopers. And he's been very busy on uh, was it Kenobi. And uh, he's a working actor. He also is... Uh, uh, I, I believe he, I think he loves to play polo as well. So he's good mm -hmm. on the horse. And uh, I did a kind of a little search on stuff that he's played. Very handsome guy as well. Uh, I want to know, first of all, also fellow 501st Star Wars member. Uh, he's part of the 501st. And I love the fact that he has so much pride in that. Great guy. 
you obviously know him. What did you think to see him in a role in Highlander? Um, well, my initial thought was um, somebody named him Monfacil uh, should look like somebody that would be named him Monfacil uh, <laughs> yes. instead of just another doughy British guy. Uh, but also, uh, I mean, I've known him since uh, he did a show, kind of an answer to Forged in Fire that was on Robert Rodriguez's El Rey network um, with uh, another friend of mine. Shout out to uh, Demond Steph. Um, but that's how he got on uh, Robert Rodriguez's radar, which got him into uh, Book of Boba Fett. Um, but uh, he would do the demonstrations of all these weapons that uh, various uh uh, swordsmiths, basically the Stagmer brothers, um, would uh, make just beautiful re- recreations of historical or film weapons. And he would be one of the uh, few guys they would have to come in and uh, do it, including uh, also a friend of Norm and I, uh, a guy named RJ McKeon, has been on the show a few times. Okay. Uh, but the guy obviously can act. The guy uh, really has the skill set that um, you need to be. I mean, he could be a good guy. He could be a bad guy. He could be the Kurgan, honestly. Yeah. Uh, he could be all these things. But um, I've gone to- back and forth with a lot of directors over the years. It is easier to teach somebody to act than it is to be able to do all the fight stuff. He uh, can do the fight stuff. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, go just watch some of his stuff. The dude is amazing with just about any weapon. Yeah. Uh, speaking as somebody who is very proud of what I can do, I am jealous of what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. Good looking guy and charismatic. And, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's just a very cool guy as well. And uh, he's very humble and, uh, he'll be the first person to, uh, shout out other people in their work. And so, yeah, artist share. I like that. Okay. The next one we got here is one of my favorites. I love this uh, suggestion. He's always been on my radar for a, a part in Highlander, not just because he's been an outlander as well, but Graham McTavish, of course, I can't get his voice out of my ear because of all of the um, um, modern warfare uh, games oh, I yeah. played. <laughs> you know, he's done voices for that. Uh, great, great actor here. Uh, what kind of part do you see him in? Uh, part of the Clan McLeod, maybe? Is that too on the nose there? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've already established that an old Scottish guy can play an Egyptian from Spain. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if they really want to stay true to the original, there you go. Uh, yeah. but I also feel like, um, would be a good you know, one, a good an Angus or a Dougal, uh, you know, somebody, um, the one thing that I think was missing from the Highlander movie is you don't get a connection of, of McLeod really being from that world. He just existed there and then he had to go away. Right. Um, having, a relationship and somebody that mattered other than, you know, like, like, like well, maybe he could be the one that adopted Connor, you know, and brought yeah. him under his wing. And there, there's ties there so that when Connor is uh, killed and then comes back to life, there's a little bit more um, emotion there, I guess. maybe. Yeah. And one of the things that I was thinking of as we were preparing for this is um, the fight choreography, uh, because, we, we are a much more sophisticated uh, film-going audience now. Um, yeah. As much as I love the first one, the fight choreography doesn't stand up to modern uh, fights at all. Sure. Um, yep. It's amazing, and it's still used as like a, a teaching element how to shoot a fight. It's brilliant. Uh, but my thought was, at different points in the series, some there should be a different style of fighting. 
Um, and if uh, Connor or whichever McLeod we end up going with learns to fight from his father, and there is a, a connection that we build there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's skills ahead of time. Cause if you think about it, Connor went out like punk in the, by the Kurgan. He didn't even get it. Didn't even clash yeah. swords with him literally. So, well, he's got a shield and he's like, I'm going to move this away from my body because yeah. that's a smart move. <laughs> yeah. There should have been more of a struggle there. I love Grand McTavish. He's a fantastic actor. Uh, very handsome man too. I gotta give it to him. Yep. All right. I like this thought here. Mr. Richard Armitage here. I thought this was a really good call out. I picked out a, a scene of him wearing some cool stuff here. Um, and he's also, he was one of the hobbits, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, he was one of the dwarves. Um, the dwarves, the dwarves. Yeah, he was right. Thorin yeah. Oakenshield, leader of uh, the party That's of right. dwarves. Yeah. It was Oin Gloin, uh, Biffer Buffer Bumber, Nori Dori Ori, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Philly and Killy. Yes, I'm that level nerd, everybody. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, Richard Armitage here. Uh, where where do you see him in the role in Highlander? Um, honestly, I think he'd be good, uh, Connor. Yeah, uh, I can see that. He's uh, the the picture you have of him there um, was when he was uh, in Robin Hood, uh, which was a while back, and he was very good in that. And then we have the Hobbit movies, which came out 2011 or. 2012, 13, and 14, uh, something like that. Um, he's uh, was, you know, the the Aragorn of that series. Uh, he was the lead of the first season of Strike Back, which is a fantastic show if anyone hasn't seen it. Fantastic uh, series, yes. Yeah, and uh, just a really overall... Wait, hold on, what character was he again in Strike Back? Um, he was in this, the season prior to Scott and Stonebridge showing up. Oh, okay, I did not so, see that one. Okay, yeah, gotcha. that one's harder okay. to get. Um, okay, but yeah, there was uh, the preseason, and uh, spoiler alert: the two main characters die in the end, and then it goes off uh, to gotcha. the the new characters. Uh, I like but, that. Yeah, and he can handle a sword, uh, yep. which I think again, that's a skill set we want. Uh, he's got gravitas. He could yeah. be a good guy. He could be a bad guy. He could be uh, that immortal that shows up, and you think, oh, he's going to be the Ramirez, and then. Yeah, uh, comes for you know Connor's head. He could be the yeah. first kill Connor has. I, I love that. I love that. I think that's great. Next, I was excited for you to see this because I Mike was funny. My dad just started watching Spartac Spartacus, and you have here Peter Menash. Is that how you say his last Mensa. name? Mensa. Mensa. Okay. Yeah. Peter Mensa. Uh, great actor. Strikingly good looking. Uh, can fight as well. I love this guy. Wonderful choice. Where do you see him in Highlander? Um, he could be all over. I, I mean, honestly, uh, he'd be an amazing bad guy. Again, a Castagir character that we could care about. That, um, uh, again, uh, the Kurgan was never set up uh, really as a great sword fighter. He fought like a really old guy, and right. then he fought like a guy that didn't know how to sword fight in an alley. He knew um, how to fight guys and, and their weakness and, and get him. Yeah situations and stuff to where he can you know have the advantage so if yeah. we get whoever our bad guy is fighting and believably killing peter mensa on screen i think uh we have we establish a great bad guy um or he could, could be the bad guy himself i could see peter also being part of 
Connor's journey through the times in learning how to fight, being a good friend in another country that he helps fight with, you know, yeah. where they have, you know, and then, yeah, then maybe the Kurgan kills him, you know, or he becomes a victim or something like that. I, I could see something like that as well. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, there's a character that was glossed over in the TV show, but um, the character of Hamza al-Kahir um, was given more voice in the uh, the book Scimitar. Uh, but he was uh, very briefly in um, uh, Finale, uh, the character of Hamza. Like that character, you know, somebody uh, from the uh, near and Middle East that uh, gives uh, our character a different perspective on life. You know, and, and of course, I, I'm... I'm not saying we have to like make a shot for shot or name for name yeah. remake of Highlander, but you know, I could see this guy going McLeod. So boom, boom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. Okay. Next one. I thought this was really cool. Uh, Aussie here, if I remember correctly, Mr. Mm -hmm. Richard Norton, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm thinking, you know, obviously some, uh, older immortal teaching Connor the ways. I don't know. What were your thoughts? I love, I love your uh, suggestion of Richard Norton. Uh, you know, really anything, you know, kind of like you were saying, it doesn't need to be the shot for shot remake. Uh, there are certain things that will happen in an action movie, uh, certain beats, uh, you know, as Ben Stiller said, uh, my audience needs to know when they can get up and uh, go to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, there are these um, certain characters, but, Richard Norton, um, and you actually have a scene, uh, I promise I wasn't just watching Spartacus and saying, here's all my suggestions, uh, but he had an amazing scene in the final season of uh, Spartacus um, where uh, he is basically a former gladiator paid to uh, train Marcus Crassus, who is one of the big names of uh, Rome, in gladiatorial combat. And he fights hard and he trains him. And uh, the final test is if Crassus can beat him in a death match to win. And he's, he has this thing and right. he's like, I, you, that's not fair because you know, I won't kill you because even if I win, I'll die. And so Crassus is like, okay, I'll just write it. You know, it's in writing. You will, uh, if you win, I'll set you up for life. If you lose, I'll put a statue up in your honor. And he has this great fight. And at the end, as he's dying, Crassus is still his friend. And it is um, not the type of acting that Richard Norton has been asked to do before. Mm, um, and it is this beautiful scene that is so much um, a demonstration, again, of what I've talked about. Like, some people just don't get the chance to do amazing work. And this is a... I mean, this guy has been working since the 70s. Yes, he's a very accomplished actor, uh, stuntman too, if I think correctly, yeah. right? Uh, so what do you see him in a role in Highlander then? Uh, I would love to see him fight somebody. Mm. Good guy or bad guy, I want to see him fight. He's played a lot of bad guys. He's played a lot of good guys. He's uh, friends with uh, Cynthia Rothrock, uh, who, oh God, I'd love to see her in Highlander. Why didn't I even think of adding her to that list? But uh Love Cynthia Rothrock. That's I want to see idea. him fight again. And I want to really ooh, I got an idea. I got an, I'm just going to throw this out to you. The idea that Colleen had that I really like, she suggested, is if you stay out of the game for a while, you actually start to age. What if he was known as like one of the most fiercest immortals of all time? And then he decided to just walk away from it and he's starting to age. And then he's being hunted down because taking him down would either give a quickening 
or it would be an honor thing or, you know, a one-upsman thing for whatever the villain wanted to do. And he was just trying to live a life and he gets one last big fight in before he dies. What about that? Uh, I mean, I just <laughs> need to know who's playing Grayson to his Darius. I know, right? <laughs> and, and I'm not even joking. I now need to, I need to see him fighting Richard Armitage for that fight. There you go. I That's like that. the fight that I want to see now. <laughs> All right, next, and I was happy that you brought this guy up because speaking of strike back here, uh, I love this suggestion of Sullivan Stapleton, who uh, was one of the, it, this is when I joined Strike Back, and this is the series that I really liked because his co-star, Philip Winchester, who I also think would be a good addition to the Highlander universe, but of course we got to see Sullivan here uh, in the uh, the 300 uh, sequel, or is it a prequel? I can't remember. Uh, it? It's a side-by-side quote. -side Okay, so, it's a side cool. Okay. Yeah. It uh, happens before and after 300. <laughs> That's right. And, and I thought this was great. It was his uh, Rise of the Empire 300, and he was the lead star in this. Uh, I like this guy. He was fantastic in uh, Strike Back. Where do you see him in the Highlander universe? I honestly think he'd be a great Connor. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, he's got the skill, he's got the physique. Uh, he's got that uh, mysterious nature about him. I mean, if you're looking at these pictures, you know, even when he's, you know, dressed up and camera friendly for because uh, he was in uh, Blind Spot on uh, NBC yep. for a while, like he, he can handle a franchise. Um, OK, you, but he doesn't look go ahead. right. He doesn't look okay. like a normal person. Can I give you a suggestion here? Because when okay. I first saw him, I know the obvious that he could play an immortal. He could play Connor. But when I saw him, I thought that if they in introduced the Watchers. I would love the fact that if he was like a Joe type character, but Frick, he could take care of himself because one of my, one of my issues with Highlander TV series in general, and also a little bit in the movies is that with the exception of Horton, normal, normal mortals weren't a huge threat. Yeah. And I would love to see um, him be able to take care of himself, whether he was a villain that, you know, whether he became a hunter or whatever it is, I wanted him to be someone that would be feared if like, because if you're going to be a watcher, why are you an old guy chasing down these immortals? Why don't you be someone that can take care of yourself in case you're discovered? You know, that type of thing. And I, I that's something I came to my mind. I, I like that idea and um, keep on ringing the gong. Uh, they showed how that you can do it in uh, the old guard. There you go. They had those yeah. guys that were really good. Yep. Yep. That were not immortal. Yeah. And he can handle fights with guns, knives, bare hands, swords, spears, yep. you name it. This guy, again, has the talent to actually hold down the fights. If you haven't already, make sure you check out Strike Back with him and Philip Winchester. Man, that show is good. All right. Now we get into the ladies that you suggested. I was excited with this part here, Lee, because you came up with some good ones here. Uh, one of my favorites, Evangeline Lilly. Got to meet her once. Very sweet lady. Uh, of course, now uh, co-starring in the Ant-Man movies. Of course, we know her from Lost. Um, your thoughts on where Evangeline Lilly could drop into the Highlander universe? Um, as the Heather uh, or, you know, whoever in the uh, previous life. Um, the reason it popped into my head is she did an interview years and years ago with, um, I want to say Chris Hardwick where she was uh, doing a really good and very sexy Scottish accent. 
Really? Uh, mm. Yeah. And it's like, all right, she's already got freckles. Like, this is just me. She's got to stop. <laughs> like, come on, woman. Uh, but uh, that said, she's also shown that she can handle fights in the Hobbit movies, uh, regardless of what you think about that. If you watch the behind the scenes of her training, um, if we're going to have a female immortal, she'd be really good. L'Oreal, is that the character that she played in the Hobbit? I think? Tariel. Tariel, okay. Yeah. Tariel. I loved her role in that. I loved her and the, uh, um, the, the, uh, what was it? The, who was the character that she was flirting with all the time? Um, um Yeah. I loved that, uh, that relationship. She was great, um, as an elf. Really, really good. So I like that. Good call. Next, I had to look her up. Wasn't sure who Joanna Watts was. Old <laughs> on Joanna Watts. Redhead, striking eyes. Uh, your thoughts on um, who you were thinking here for her in Highland? Honestly, she had this um, very small role in Bullet Train that came out this summer. Yes. Um, and, I mean, again, look at her here. Uh, when when I think of, you know, the original Highlander, aside from, you know, all the fights, I really do think of the transitions. I really do think of the interesting artistic choices. Those eyes... Uh, that hairline, the jawline, everything um, there. Can you imagine doing that same transition from her face to Mona Lisa that we had with yeah. Connor? Uh, now, you know, or something similar. Like just something. She's timeless. I feel like she'd be either an immortal or she would be okay again a, a Heather. You touched on it there. Let's throw out Heather for a second here, because the one thing that Highlander, the original Highlander movie. Um, kind of screwed us with was not showing us female immortals like we got in the TV series. Mm -hmm. And I think that this character right here would be perfect. Like I would love to see an immortal brother and sister uh, that were brought into a clan and raised together and they were immortals and they knew each other and they both had their own struggles. And I would love to see what it would be like for, uh, you know, we got to see flashbacks with Amanda and what it was like for women um, having to deal with immortality uh, back in those days and those ages and such. I think she would be perfect as a co-lead in a Highlander film as a fellow immortal. And I would love to see, especially since we, we've got to see Charlize Theron in the old guard be the lead immortal in the movie. Yeah. We need to have a little more balance in the, this new reboot of having a female immortal being able to uh, take care of herself and not not be not just a love interest. She can be a love interest too, but have her be immortal. This is my pick. I love this pick, Lee. Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad we agree. I'm also have a new crush. I just want to mention that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I like this uh, mention too, Lake Bell. Big fan of hers as well. I'm glad you brought up her. Uh, she's also uh, is voicing um, on uh, what's the TV series? I'm just drawing a blank now. Um, Ivy in the um, in uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> yeah, me too. I can't believe we are like failing at being nerds. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank here. Um, uh, Joker's girlfriend, um, yeah, Harley, Quinn. Harley Quinn. Thank you. Yes, yeah, she does the voice, of course, now of uh, of um, uh, what I just mentioned earlier. I'm trying to brain fart here. 
Ivy, but uh, I've seen her a bunch of other stuff. I think she's wonderful. Uh, your thoughts on her and where she could fall in the Highland universe? Um, what I was thinking with her is uh, somebody that would be a modern mortal love interest for whoever the main character is. I see. Maybe with a- Brenda, we had a really intelligent, strong woman. Um, I yep. think that uh, somebody this old isn't going to be um, as enamored with, you know, just standard beauty, which she is very beautiful, uh, but also with kind of intelligence, strength, poise, um, a sense of experience. Um, I, I really think like if she was, did she was just shot, in Wakanda forever, wasn't she was just in Wakanda forever, right? Didn't yeah, she have she a small was, role yeah. in that? Uh, she yeah, was yeah. One of the scientists there. Yeah, I um, I like that idea. Uh, whether she's like a watcher or someone, you know, that could uh, you know hold her own and not just be a cute face, you know. Yeah, and uh, and even as a love interest, she's not just your typical cute face. Uh, she yeah. looks like somebody that has an entirely different life, much like our Brenda did. Yeah, I like that. Good call. All right, next, love your next two. You're reading my I mind. You might. Yep. Rona Mitra, huge fan of her. Of course, I just watched her in uh, Shooter with Mark Wahlberg. But of course, uh, Doomsday, one of my favorite uh, uh, cult films. Now she's wonderful in that as the lead. She was also in um, World, uh, the prequel. The third film came out. She was in that. She she was in the prequel of that. But I love her. I think she's great. Um, I kind of see her maybe like a Cassandra type role, you know, mm-hmm. s- an ally immortal or something. But what were your thoughts? Um, again, she's already played somebody immortal, powerful. She's already played uh, women that can fight. Uh, she's played a lot of strong women. Um, you know, she, um, oddly enough, uh, played a competing love interest with Lake Bell uh, on Boston Legal. Uh, yes. I promise I'm not just going to three television shows here, uh, but apparently I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I but, loved her in Boston Legal. I was crushing her big time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When she was dressed as Robin, that was amazing um, and brought up some very confusing feelings. Uh, that said, uh, <laughs> with the women that I'm looking at, I wanted to choose, you know, A, she's obviously very easy on the eyes, but she is somebody that brings presence with her. Uh, she was the commander. Uh, uh, man, I really did go to uh, three television shows. She's a commander on the first season of, uh, or the first real season of Strike Back. I um, was that was that the second season? I thought that was the second season. I could be maybe wrong, it was the yeah, second she, season, but yeah, she, she was, was a, the commander it, in one season. Yeah, she was on Strike Back, but yeah, yeah, like that. And oh, uh, that. she had some great fights in there. She had grit. Um, I see her as somebody fighting. I see her as somebody um, again. She could be that that Brenda cutout. Um, as somebody that would go into the the empty garage and and not uh, necessarily be afraid, she's somebody that would, you know, help McLeod uh, hit uh, Kurgan with the the steel pipe, something like that. I feel yeah. like she's got the the guts to either be that that character or be a powerful yeah. and imposing person. Yeah, and, and again, if it. you guys if you guys haven't seen Doomsday, make sure you check it out because she kicks ass in that, and mm-hmm. she's just so so good in that, so hot too. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, I would love to see her uh, some type of a mortal role as well. I could definitely see that. That would be cool. And I think you just put this in here because you know she's my movie wife, Lee, and that of course is Kate Beckinsale. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't care where you put her in there, but man, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, I was obviously thinking, well, Kevin's going to love this and he's probably going to be <laughs> mad at me for taking his recommendation. But uh, again, she's got uh, the action chops. I mean, she's yep. been doing action since 2002 yeah. uh, was when the first Underworld came out. Um, she's very easy on the eyes. Uh, she's got an actual accent. You know, she wouldn't be faking it like a lot of actors uh, might end up having to. Um, she can play a lot of different things. Um, and I mean, if they you know decide to go with Duncan Rouse, like... she could be an Amanda. Dude, you're reading my mind, damn it. <laughs> I'm going to stop right there because it just got dark. Man. You... <laughs> Yeah, I could see <laughs> I could see her having the 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 eternal love interest is what I like to call it. Mm -hmm. The one that you don't settle down with, the one that you come around on and you share adventures, you share a love fling. I think that would be great because seeing her in flashbacks in different parts of the world during different times, I would I would die a happy man if I saw that. <laughs> I land her with her. So yeah. <laughs> you, you know what that makes me think of though is uh Deborah Unger's character in Highlander Three. Or her characters. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Well done there, Lee. I love those suggestions. Uh and uh, but you know what though? We're not done with the uh the casting suggestions here. Cause I want to give a shout out to Derek Brady. He put some thought into this, and I like this. Uh, his thought for McLeod, which I hadn't heard of this guy. His name's Ben Drew, also a musician, also known as Plan B. He says McLeod. Uh, he says, uh, that I guess he's got a certain look and feel to him, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think he's a good looking guy. Uh, interesting uh, choice. I would ask Derek to uh, um, you know, give his reasons on that, but he didn't. He just said Ben Drew. Ben Drew's kind of a younger looking one. The question is though, Lee, this brings up a question is do we actually go with someone who is younger? So if we can bring him back for a trilogy, he doesn't age out, you know? Um, you know, do we, because in the original Highlander, McLeod was what, 18? Yeah. Go with someone that actually can pull that off. Your thoughts? I'd say get some. Because by the way, all the people we've mentioned, this guy is the youngest looking so far. Yeah, I'd get somebody that's twenty five to twenty seven, so that you can get ten years out of them. Where, you know, things happen, but we don't age as fast in that time frame. Okay, at least as dudes, right? Um, yeah. You know, we kind of like we hit this thing, and then forty happens. And it's like, oh crap. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, then the morons keep doing stunt work into their late forties, uh, which is just <laughs> a stupid, stupid, stupid idea. I do not recommend it to any of well, you. Well, 25 years, 25 year olds have been playing teenagers for quite a long time. Yeah. So I, I get that this, you know, but wh whether it's someone like Ben getting a younger McLeod, I think wouldn't be too bad, but uh uh, I do like the idea, but everyone, a lot of people have mentioned um, Brady's pick for the Kurgan. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Jason Noah. That's not a bad idea. He goes way back. Um, I got to give it up. He's an Iowa boy like me. Uh, we actually uh, went to the same gym at different times. Um, so, but uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, I first became aware of him as Ronan Dex on Stargate Atlantis. Me too. Uh, he held down the fights there. Um, and then, uh, the Conan movie, uh, as bad as it was, you can tell that he gave everything he had to it. Uh, it's just the 
whoever decided to make the movie decided that Conan was stupid uh, or the world was stupid and Conan didn't belong in it. Well, we got uh, more of a Kurgan type character in Game of Thrones, you know, as Cal Drogo. Yeah. And I think uh, there's also nuance to the character uh, of Cal Drogo because he does not start off as a good person. He doesn't really even end as a good person, uh, but there is something about him that people connect to. Because yeah. I mean, like, yeah. there's not a single good thing he did in that show, and yet we mourn his loss. Yeah. How do yeah. you do that with a bad guy? Well, he did give in to Khaleesi a little bit there. You know, she she let him, uh, you know, take over, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> he was able to listen well, to her and, uh, you know, yeah. But uh, yeah, but she was just kind of writing the narrative on the inevitable there. Like she yeah. didn't have a choice in that. Like it was that. But that him, was but hold on, hold on. Him is him is the yeah. him is the Kurgan. Though I think what I like about him is not will he just physically carry that role, but I think that we could get what we need is a Kurgan backstory. Um, some people will say no. Clancy is the mysterious Kurgan. But we need some answers there, I think. We want to know why he's doing what he is if we're going to have a villain type him that's searching out McLeod for a particular reason. And he's a good actor, and I think Momoa can pull that off. Now, I will say I like Clancy's Kurgan. Um, I do think that he would be better at Gregory Widden's version of the Kurgan. Um, I think that he would... You mean uh, Momoa would be? Yeah, Momoa. Yeah. Um, not that Clancy wouldn't have played that, but they didn't give him the chance. Right. Uh, and I, I don't think he would play, be good at, at Clancy's Kurgan, but that, uh, disaffected, uh, dissociated, uh, psychopath that is still charming, uh, right. that, that Clancy wanted to play, but they wouldn't let him. They just wanted, uh, we, you're big and scary. So just be big and scary. I think Momoa can play, uh, completely. Uh, I think with his charm, he could turn the Kurgan into Hannibal Lecter. A very charming uh, character that you want to learn more about. And he just steals every scene, um, yeah. which Clancy does in his own right. But I, I do feel like I would love to see a backstory flashback of why he became the Kurgan or, or the lead villain, whatever you want to say, you know. I, I think it would that. be amazing if they had him uh, as the descendant, uh, as actually being Polynesian uh, or Maori uh, yeah. and being yeah. able to lean on his heritage, um, you know, and oh, I like uh, that. and we have not been nice historically to the Maori people. Uh, if there was, you know, say while McLeod was on the Rosemary, he was, you know, also part of uh, one of the crews that uh, landed in Hawaii. And uh, colonized it. Like if if that was his reason, if he knows McLeod from that, I think okay. that would be kind of an amazing thing. And it would allow that culture to have a place in cinema that it hasn't really gotten yet. All right. A few more I want to get through here. I loved his shout out here. Derek says, for the mentor, Chow Yun-Fat. I love this idea. Uh, I think that's really cool. He's a great actor. Uh, obviously, has handled a sword and a gun in his time. Uh, he also says, mortal love interest, Heather possibly, Karen Gillian. Uh, yes, please. Maybe even an immortal. I like that as well. Immortal love interest, Bridget Regan. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. 
uh, beautiful redhead there. And older Rachel, Joanna Lumley. I like this idea. All right. Yeah. So thoughts on those? Chow Yun-Fat, as much as he'd be great as that immortal, um, what was the name of uh, the guy that was cut out of Highlander? Oh, uh, Young Doll Kim. Yeah. That character or uh, the same kind of character. Again, like I said, if we have our bad guy kill a good guy that we believe should win, both morally and in terms of skill, I think that sets up something amazing. Gotcha. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, I love Chow Yun Fat anyways. I've uh, been a big fan since Hard Boiled. Uh, you gotta love a cop from Hong Kong named Tequila. I mean, <laughs> why wouldn't you have that name? That's amazing. Uh, I, I want to name my first four kids Tequila. <laughs> you know, Tequila One, Tequila Double. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. Uh, by the way, Karen Gillian, yes, throw her in in Highlander. Uh, whether she's a mortal love interest, I would love to see her play an immortal as well. Big fan of hers. We know she can uh, handle fights. Yes, yes. Uh, I had not heard. I had to look up though um, of uh, Bridget Regan, and uh, I could definitely see her. Uh, you know with that gorgeous red hair. I could see her definitely uh, maybe playing like. Um, a Heather type character as well. So if I'm not mistaken, she was on Eureka for a few seasons and she was really good in that. Um, exceptionally naughty, um, which, you know, I'm fine with. <laughs> okay. My choice, little on the nose for Connor, if not Connor somewhere in the Highlander universe, because he's an outlander. Sam Hewen plays Jamie Frazier. Uh, huge fan of this show. My wife brought me into this and we've bonded on those visited the filming locations. We were in Scotland doing Highlander locations as well. Uh, knows a little bit about swords and, uh, fighting in the Scottish, uh, Jacobite wars as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't think you've, have you seen the series at all, Lee? I saw the first season. Um, and then I started making movies and it was really hard to keep up with much of anything. Gotcha. So I don't know. What do you think? Sam Yoon? I think this should be a mortal that Connor kills in a fight. Interesting. Basically like a duel with Bassett, but just in a different time. <laughs> uh, hey, is he, if he's not going to be Connor, he has to have a, an awesome cameo. And I think if he does the, that duel on Boston common or wherever it happens to be, maybe at the, uh, at the seeing stones upon the Hill, <laughs> you know, basically, a suggestion I had earlier, have him be a mortal. That's a threat. Yeah. Like that. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That. Yeah. And like, but like in the past, because I okay. mean, you can't have him and not throw me in a kilt and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it would be too on the nose to have him as Connor though. Yeah. That timeless <laughs> Scottish warrior that lives in the past and the now. So, all right, we got we got to first of all. I want to get your thoughts here on. Okay, we do agree that the story must originate in Scotland. Okay, um, can there only be one? Let's touch on mythology really quick. Quick here, Lee. Can there be only one? Is this a, a continuous or is it like a continuous battle through the ages? Meaning that if there can be only one, you're basically saying that eventually they have to kill each other off and there has to be one and why would he want to be the one left? Does he gain a certain power? Uh, whatever the prize is, do we have a prize? Uh, personally, my opinion is 
I'm not necessarily saying there should be a prize, but I think there should be a reason why these guys do have to continue to fight. I like the idea of aging out of it a little bit, which keeps them in the game if they want to. But then you get immortals like Connor, who really doesn't fight until he has to fight. Um, so what are your thoughts? I think it would be interesting if these are rules that everyone believes, but nobody understands why. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be true, but because uh, who told them there can be only one and how do they know? Right. Um, that was, that was is, brought up with one of the fans. Of what, yeah. who, who told them these rules? You know? And if, uh, you know, I mean, now we know that it was General Katana that like this is how you serve your prison sentence. <laughs> uh, so it makes complete sense, obviously. Uh <laughs> Sorry, all but, I can hear is Adam O'Brien just uh, standing behind him going, there, Katana, one of the best. Guy who never won a fight. Yeah. Uh, but like, um, if there is a philosophical search, you know, if you've got one character, like, why can there be only one? If that's our main character, um, there's a, an idea. It kind of started way back when we did one of the Mythos episodes, but uh I don't think that Connor just has to be 450 years old. If he was older than that, you know, if we gave him, you know, sent him back to like the Roman or early medieval period, um, there is a, uh, a St. McLeod that existed uh, that was uh, part of uh, Brendan's voyage, uh, which was uh, familiar to some Highlander fans, uh, you know, uh, three weeks crossing a the Atlantic in a rowboat with a bunch of Irish monks. That's Brendan's voyage. Uh, St. Brendan, uh, it's one of the uh, more famous Irish Catholic um, myths, okay. stories, legends. Um, that would also put him in a boat with Mythos. Um, that would also have him with the perspective over time of watching empires really rise and fall, which Connor didn't see. He saw the British Empire sort of fall, but he didn't care. Okay, you just touched on Mythos, and we haven't really brought him up yet. And I think it's important to address that right now. And I'm, thank you for reminding of this because I think there needs to be someone like Mythos, like we learned in the old guard, someone very, very, very old and ancient where not necessarily they started it all, but they were around enough to know why it was and why these rules are being laid and, and done. And whether it's an old manuscript or, or chiseled on a rock somewhere that these were the suggested rules that immortals go by. Now, I'm not saying that we have to know how immortals come happen. I kind of like the idea of not knowing, um, leave it out there, you know, because that beautiful line of why, why, you know, why, are there why stars does the sun the come up? Exactly. You know, yeah. that, that Ramirez says in the original film, but you mentioned mythos. And I think that, and there's several of those characters that I thought could oh, be yeah. a mythos type character that you mentioned that, you know, I, we just forgot to bring him up, but I, I think that as you were going into the history of, of Mythos and, and Connor or whatever, Duncan or whatever it is, I think it's important to consider that as well, that we have some type of origin mentioned. Um, like, I think the rules are important to say how they were inspired from, because there's a certain honor to the yeah. fighting of these warriors and i think that gets lost a lot in current day warfare 
there's an honor, there's an honor code. And I think that, you know, in order to serve this honor, you have to respect the honor, you know, and that's why someone might want to search out an immortal that stayed out of the game for so long because they were so badass at one time and that mm -hmm. challenging them would be an honorable thing to do, you know? And I, I think that's important to Highlander. I don't know. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. And I think um, it would address some dropped storylines from Highlander. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. like we bring up mythos, like he's the oldest immortal and other than the the horseman plot line, that never mattered again. Yeah. And even then, it was, like, not important. Uh, you know, obviously, it was the Highlander, and it had to be about Duncan. But you also have um, the dropped plot line of that book that Duncan finds in uh, Darius's uh, study. Uh, right. What What's in there? What does he know? Uh, Mythos's uh, diary um, in Adam Pearson's apartment, um, the... the the hieroglyphics yeah. were hard to decipher, but the Greek was amazing. You should have been there. You know, like that type of uh, conversation and that type of study, you know, I mean, if this is a, a the Highlander expanded universe, okay. that would be a great direction to go. I think it's important to clarify the rules and the reason why, because I think one-on-one -on -one combat should be a thing. No fighting on holy ground. Let's say in the freaking movie, why we don't fight on holy ground, because Pompeii happens or whatever yeah. it is. Bad stuff happens around you and destruction. It just, it can't happen. That's why you don't do it on holy ground. One-on-one uh, -on -one combat. Like, let's say, you know, someone try, let's say a couple of guys try to team up or there's an unholy alliance. Mm -hmm. thing. Let there be accountability for that. You know, like for a good example is this in John Wick. Um, what's her name broke the rule in the first film fighting yep. on the continental and the people in the continental killed her because she, she broke the rule. Let there be rules. Like if you break these rules, then you become a target and you just become assassinated or something like that. And that these are rules and suggestions that were put down by the ancient immortals, whether it's on a script, you know, like I said, chiseled on a rock or something like that, that would be a great story to at least set some ground weight to explain why they are doing what they're doing. Maybe, I don't know. You brought up an interesting thing about honor. The rule of one-on-one, -on -one, I think partly applies to honor and partly applies to dishonor and more, I think than a, a mystical rule. Imagine that you're somebody fighting two-on-one. You're a cowardly piece of crap. And so is the guy fighting with you. Uh, speaking as a bouncer, everybody that fights in a group against one person, they're cowards. Two things are going to happen, we, and we've established that the quickening goes to the closest person. Yep. Uh, you know when uh, Jacob's uh, girlfriend was killed. Uh, you know he wasn't; she wasn't killed by Jacob, but he got the quickening. Yep. Um, Great quickening. Scene. So Oof. if I'm you know fighting two on one, I'm not necessarily guaranteed to get the quickening of the head that I take. Exactly. I also have this piece of crap uh, fighting next to me, who I know can't be trusted, who I know has no honor. And I'm going to be weakened from, you know, my my quickgasm. And uh, that guy might just take the opportunity to take my head. Yeah. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. So I, I think that could be the moral thing. I think the, um, the idea of holy ground, as much as I like the Pompeii notion, I do like the idea of the gentleman's agreement, like that we just respect this. Like yeah. if you go there and you stay there, 
will leave you out of it. Just like the, uh, it's weird to bring up the uh, animated series, but the Jedidors, you know, the ones that threw their swords down and like, yeah. I'm not going to fight. I'm out of this. Uh, it's up to you now. I think that having, um, you know, these aren't the standard violent people that uh, you and I deal with. Uh, these are immortal warriors. These are ones that have fought for centuries um, that I think even the worst of them would recognize what that means. Um, and I think that anyone violating it would make all, even the other bad guys angry. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point is there should be some accountability for even attempting to fight on Holy ground though. There has to be something, yeah. you know, whether it's the continental rules in the yeah. world or something like that, you know, but something that it, 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 it if you're going to do it, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> it's not going to turn out the way that you like it. So now can I just mention this real quick? Um, okay. So I think we've got some good mythology going there. I think that's great. We, we touched on the rules. I like that. We've touched on the cast and everything like this. Um, I want to touch on how you would, as immortals, how you would hide and survive in today's world of technology. Can I just throw a couple of rules out there that I would, I've been lobbying for in a reboot of Highlander if it were to take place, you know, in nowadays times, First of all, quickenings, if you take someone's head and you kill them, their body just goes away. There's no there's no evidence of it whatsoever. Maybe, style. you know, I mean, yes, having a headless body around brings attention. But yeah, Buffy style. Also, too, around electronics, a quickening will is kind of like an EMP blast. And, you know, it will disrupt any technology uh, even two immortals coming together, I would love that like cameras would start to flicker, cell phones not working as well. Something that messes with technology when immortals are around. And that, you know, like when we have an issue with our cell phones, it's like, why aren't they working or something like that? You know, why, why isn't my network down? There's an immortal nearby. So it helps kind of protect them around um some of the problems of having wonderful technology today, because we saw that challenge in the old guard, which I loved. Yeah. I, but it came on to bite him a little bit. <laughs> true. I, I would say, how do you establish that as something that existed in the stone age? Well, it wasn't recognized in the stone age is what I'm saying. You know? Yeah. But um, would this be something that the quickening actively does to protect the person? Or is this just a side effect? Uh, because um, I, I had a, you know, we've all written our fan fiction, you know, obviously we're, we're hearing this, but I had this thought, like, what if um, Benjamin Franklin was uh, friends with an immortal and had that idea for the kite and the keys, you know, and all that kind of stuff for uh, transferring electricity and all that. Um, and we do see uh, Ramirez able to kind of summon the quickening uh, in Highlander 1 and again in yeah. Highlander 2. Um, if that is something, a power that is pre-established in canon at this point, if that is something that they can do, maybe somebody figures it out in the story. Um, because, you know, now we know that it exists in the past. Do you mean using it to kind of not only like protect themselves during a fight, like creating like a, this bubble around the fighters or what do you mean exactly? Like, but, uh, like a, like an active de defense mechanism. Like they realize like they can do this. Gotcha. Um, so like they, you know, summon the power of the quickening for, you know, that moment, you know, 
Most people are given a full measure of life, but never use it. But if you can take it all in one place, and sometimes you can do something remarkable, like <laughs> like well, lift a fan and then let it drop on you. <laughs> you know, we we have the immortal buzz, you know, immortal sensing others, and obviously we keep that, and that's good. But I, having having the quickening, obviously, I like the idea of getting the quickening, becoming more powerful. Um, maybe extending your life. We're on that thread again. I mm-hmm. love that idea, Colleen. That's great. Uh, extending the life, but also using the power of the quickening in a, maybe a less destructive manner, because obviously, you know, you don't want to have a quickening inside your den. You know, we've talked about that because uh, yep. of what happens to you. But I just think that the, the quickening and the power that, uh, that immortals have that should disrupt something that that's something that I think that should grow havoc on electronics or the ability as you mentioned, maybe getting the power of the quickening and using it kind of like as a cloak, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, not a, a literal cloak, but using it to hide, using it to disrupt things. Like if you could pull the power from the quickening down just a little bit and going, you know what, I'm going to short out these cameras, you know, or do something kind of cool like that, making the quickening, like the more you get from a quickening, the more heads you take, the more powerful you are to manipulate the power of a quickening. Maybe, I don't know. Like that? Well, there was a Matthew McConaughey movie about 20 years ago <coughs> where uh, him and uh, Bill Paxton played demon hunters. And that was one of the, like, they were kind of like the Boondock Saints, except they killed demons. And uh, I'm sorry, what movie was this? And why have I I'm, not seen it? <laughs> I'm trying to remember it. Um, but um, they played demon hunters, and one of the brothers decides, like, this is wrong and tries to stop him. And, uh, there's a big murder mystery, but one of the things is uh, they have this innate power to just be blurry on video cameras ah. and to be forgotten by people. Okay. I see. What you're um, and uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very odd movie. Um, is this in the nineties or something? Kinda early curious. 2000. I want to say 2002. Um, okay. Or maybe very late 90s, but I remember uh, I was talking to a friend of mine about Boondock says, oh, you got to see this. And she brought this movie out for me. God, what was that one? It's going to bug me. I can, that, just, that sounds cool. I got to check this out. There was Traveler. He was in Titanic, Twister, Simple Plan, Mighty Joe Young, uh, U571, Vertical Limit, Frailty. Frailty. Resist- that's the one. Frailty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen that. Okay. All right. I got you. All right. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, that was a power that they had in that movie. So okay, it's, uh, it's one that's already happened on cinema that people don't think is ridiculous. Having something that the immortals can possess to help them hiding in the real world, because as we touched on, how do they hide? How do they um, stay under the radar of mortals and watchers watching them and stuff like this and living for hundreds of years, creating new identities, having some type of attachment to this quickening, being able to manipulate a little bit. I kind of like that idea, but also you were touching on earlier about hiding in the real world. You know, Colleen yeah. made some suggestions. Elaborate on that. Well, it's something that happens all the time. A, we have identity theft. Uh, Richie was dabbling in it for um, 
uh, Grace, I believe, in Saving Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, regardless of how you feel about it, but uh, undocumented workers are everywhere, yep. um, and I there there are some people with working uh, uh, social security numbers that uh, weren't uh, officially born. It's not difficult at all. Uh, it, it happens constantly every day. Uh, you'll see it everywhere. Um, we just like to think that it's tricky, but it's the majority of people don't care about anybody else around them. Um, Oh God. What is the name of the Chow Yun fat and, um, movie, uh, Oh gosh. The one he did in the nineties replacement the, killers. Yes. Replacement killers. And he I goes would like to buy forged documents. Exactly. <laughs> There should, how about this? Okay. We, we answer that question that there is a group of either immortals that help other immortals, um, whether they're on holy ground or whatever. So they're not fighting, help them assume new identities, have immortal safe houses in other countries, you know, uh, only do- if we bring Mira Sorvino Back to the screen. Uh, she is one of my ultimate screen crushes. Uh, she she was amazing in that movie. Yes, she uh, was. You know, and she handled the fights really well. Uh, yep. She was one of the she she of she the was the forged doc. She was the forged document expert. You know. Yeah. And I think that there should be a Highlander version of that. Maybe it's a family or something. And that whether you're evil, immortal or whatever it is, you have nefarious reasons or you're, you're one that just wants to move on. You, you get assistance from this group, you know, kind of like, kind of like the watchers, but in a mortal version of it, the ones that aren't in the game, the ones, and, and they don't have to all be immortals, but they could be people that know about immortals that help them, um, because they realize their value that, uh, you know, this guy who's now, you know, apparently was seen killed, but he's not really dead. He's got money left behind. What happens to that? You know, maybe assumes another identity. Just, he, they help piece those pieces together. You know, like, Hey, look, I need to get out of Morocco. I just, I was seen on camera or whatever, you know, I need a new yeah. identity. I was seen dead, but I wasn't, you know, uh, get me out of here, you know, and there's something, something in the new, world that assist with that a little bit i think might be kind of cool to do but it dates back like a, like hundreds and hundreds of years you know mm-hmm. i think that would be kind of cool to do that your thoughts i think that'd be a great idea and i think um these would be people that developed a support network of some sort exactly uh, yeah you know uh, and we we've seen you know uh there are those that build up the businesses uh not to bring up the black tower, but I mean, the black tower is a perfect example of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got, um, whoever, um, Brian James played, um, I always forget his name, but, uh, picking Chris Lennon is still a pig. The cross of St. And St. Antoine. Yeah. Antoine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where he bettered himself and got rich, but still was a bad guy, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. So, um, I think, okay. So, this podcast that we're doing is let's create our own Highlander reboot. Well, in a creative process, you have people like us, you have writers, you sit in a room and you write stuff and you come out with ideas and then you go to the next phase. Well, we're just doing the first phase right now. This is what we did. We got in a, a think tank. We asked for help from our fans on blood of Kings and Highlander heart. And uh, all of us that would, you know, wondering if we're ever going to get another movie. I don't know. 
But I have a feeling, Lee, of all the suggestions that you and I have put out there, our fans have done, I think it's better than whatever's going to come out eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Just because we know the world so well, and we wish that whoever's doing this, Chad, he seems to know the world well. I hope he's paying attention to us. There is one recommendation I, I I can't believe I forgot to make for the bad guy. Yes, please. Um, and you know, based on you know who he's been, uh, you know, in previous versions, uh, always you know, um, you know, uh, Ramirez describes him the perfect warrior, cunning, violent, all that kind of stuff. Um, you've got somebody that has to have you know uh, passed silently down through the ages, living many secret lives probably somebody that speaks a lot of languages. So this is somebody that can fight, somebody that can speak a lot of languages, somebody that's terrifying. If only you had a co-host that spoke seven languages that had more black belts than the JC Penney's men's department, uh, that knew how to use all the swords that is physically imposing, uh, that, you know, has done all sorts of weird things, uh, that has a background in stunts, uh, that, is actually still a working bouncer from time to time. So at 46, I can still intimidate people into good behavior. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say, uh, Chad, I'm your Kurgan. Uh, like you're, you're not going to get better than this, man. Make it uh, happen. Make it happen, yeah. man. Or, or at least teach the Kurgan how to fight. You know, that's all I'm saying. Get yeah. Lee in there, get him to do it. There you go. <laughs> Cause it's easier to teach me how to act than it would be to teach anybody how to do what I do. And I can ride horses and I can shoot. Can you ride horses and shoot? Yes, you can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. I even got to do it on a movie one time. So get get Lee in there. Damn it. All right. Let's wrap this up. This has been awesome. All right. This has been blood of Kings. We're on 168 right now. This is great. Uh, And we have just made a Highlander reboot movie. Well, we've, we've laid out the outline, which I think is important. I think we've got uh, good stuff to, uh, to build on here. We've got some great casting ideas here. Um, but you know what? I want to be surprised. If I want to see some people we haven't seen before, I think it would be great. But uh, I think we've done a good job, Lee. Thank you for uh, coming on. And I missed you, man. It's been fun. Yeah, it's good to see you again, man. It's uh, I know uh, my weird world of making movies has made it hard to do the podcast, but uh, uh, this has been such a... Uh, a fun part of my world the last few years, uh, the the luck of being brought on as your new co-host uh, two weeks before COVID started. Uh, <laughs> you were the only person besides my dad that I talked to for a long time. <laughs> um, and no offense, but you're not as annoying as he is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, uh, but no, uh, you know, it's been a, an amazing ride. And um, once... Uh, COVID ended, I ended up getting more and more work. Uh, once my dad, uh, his health got better, I took even more and more work and I kind of, uh, forgot to go back to the well for a little while. So, um, I appreciate your patience with me. I appreciate everyone out there, uh, that listens to us. Um, I have not obviously forgotten about Highlander. I'm even kind of going, doing my own little, uh, season one Adrian look, uh, you know, I got the, the turtleneck and, you know, looking like a little, uh, you know, I got the. I got my like actual it. hair, unlike Adrian did in that season. So, haha. Um, well, 
Uh, speaking of, I want to give a shout out to our good friend, uh, Adam O'Brien of Lethal Mullet Network. He has dove headfirst into the Highlander pool, and I think he's on season four now. And he's been doing some fantastic uh, <coughs> uh, posts on Bloody Kings, engaging us with some uh, cool ideas and Highlander discussion. And uh, uh, he is now a full-on Highlander uh, fan of the TV series as well as the movies. Uh, we're gonna have to get him on to get his reaction to it. So it's been great. But uh, we do also need to tell him to stop diving headfirst into other pools, especially like the shallow end. Uh, <laughs> buddy, you don't have that many brain cells left. You can't keep doing that trick. But uh, he he's one of us now, so I'm glad yeah. he's uh, he's with our group. So, but uh, let's go ahead and get some contact information here. Of course, this is Blood of Kings are part of the Fandom Podcast Network. Please check out our uh, network for all of our other awesome podcasts. Uh, our main master feed is fpnet.podbean.com. And if you're listening to this and you're not watching this, please check out our YouTube channel, Fandom Podcast Network, and uh, check out this uh, this video of this of, of Blood of Kings, and you can check out our other great videos as well from. Our other shows. Uh, Fandom Podcast Network is on all major podcast platforms, which of course include Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Uh, please check out um, uh, fpnet.podbean.com. You can check out the Blood of Kings master feed on there as well. We are also on Twitter and Instagram, Blood of Kings. And uh, please, if you haven't already, as we mentioned before, we've got a wonderful Facebook group, Blood of Kings, a Highlander fandom group. Check that out. And we also have our Bloody King sister page, the Highlander CCG Collectible Card Game and Gaming Discussion Group page. It has now become the Facebook group if you are interested in any Highlander gaming, especially that CCG uh, group there. So they're keeping that gaming alive, and they are still playing that, which I love. You can email us directly at bloodedkingspodcast.gmail.com. I am Kevin Reitzel. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Spartan underscore Phoenix. Lee, where can we find you, sir? Uh, you can find me in a dark alley, uh, hacking away with a broadsword at two o'clock in the morning. Otherwise, uh, you can find me on Instagram at the way of the way. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under my name, Lee Fillingsness. You can also catch uh, Madman Road Productions and uh, Double Action Martial Arts, my uh, business pages. Um, nice. Did want to say in the aftermath of everything that happened on Rust, um, regardless of anybody's uh, feelings on that, uh, there were some uh, very serious safety issues. Uh, I spent uh, far too much money in the last two years uh, building up a prop armory for the Midwest. Um, I have several hundred firearms now that are all completely safe, um, and that's just been posted on the Double Action page. So Awesome. Awesome. Fire safety, important more important now than ever. So uh, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, you can support Bloody Kings uh, on uh, our reviews. If you've got Apple Podcasts or iTunes Review or whatever your podcast platforms, give us a shout out. Give us a five star. We'd appreciate that. Also, we've got a T Public store. If you would love a Fandom Podcast Network or a Bloody Kings t-shirt, make sure you head on over to T Public. That supports us as well. Uh, we're working on uh, next show. Uh, probably going to hit the, uh, the Highlander 4K release. We're going to talk about the uh, special features on that. <coughs> Uh, and we got some other ideas down the pipe. We've got some great suggestions from you guys on Blood Kings as well. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, Lee, thanks again for coming on, man. It's a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh, 2023 and more Highlander discussion. Yes, sir. It's uh, good to be back. Awesome. Well, I'm Kevin. On behalf of Lee, thanks everyone for listening and join us again next time here on the Fandom Podcast Network for another episode of Blood of Kings, a Highlander podcast. That sensation you are feeling is the quickening. We are one. We are immortals. Farewell, dear shitheads. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>